How many know when we are doing what we're doing and, and having a service and seeking seeking the Lord that we are we are not trying to get God to be something that He's not or to do something that He doesn't want to do. We're endeavoring to, in one sense, just let God be God. In other words, He is, without our intervention at all, He is who He is, right? He is good. He is love. The Bible says God is love. He is righteous and holy and just. And, and, uh, and, and there's nothing we would ever desire God to be that He's not already. There's nothing... Um, missing. There's nothing. There's no lack of anything. He is just the fullness of Himself. He's the fullness of God. He's He's awesome in everything. He's glorious and mighty in power beyond our beyond our our comprehension, even beyond our understanding. He is glorious and powerful, and and He is love, and and He is everything we could ever want or ask or desire or need, and uh, and that's why He naturally then does those types of things in us. And so I'm never I'm never approaching the Lord as as if I'm trying to get him to do something good. Now that's his nature. That's that's the norm for him. I I don't have to approach him as if I'm trying to get him on my side or to I'm trying to convince him to use some of his power and grace and love for me. No, no, that naturally flows from him. It's not something that he's um, uh, that he's wanting to hold back. Rather, like I said, it's more I'm just wanting to get out of the way. Or maybe we just say, I just want to get in the flow. I just want to not be a, a, a dam in the river, but I want to flow with him. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, as the psalmist said that Israel, it, it said they, um, they limited the Holy One of uh the Holy One of Israel. I forget how exact verbiage there, but they limited God. Israel as a nation, they limited God. In other words, he wanted to do something, but they got in his way and hindered what he wants, wanted to do. Okay, So in all of our prayer and our seeking and our praying and asking, and that's certainly valid in, in asking and re- making requests of God to say and do certain things, um, we, we need to understand that we are talking to a willing God. Our Father loves us as much as He can, which is completely, and you can't get Him to love you anymore. No matter how high I lift my hands, no matter how much I seek seek Him, I'm not getting Him to love me anymore or to do more for me. I'm just really getting out of the way, so to speak, and getting in the flow so that God can do what He's always done, what He's always wanted to do. Amen. Amen. Even in times when we've seen in Scripture where individuals uh, didn't get God's best, where people got cut short in their life, or they experienced some bad things, it's not because God wanted those things to happen. It's not because that was His desire for their lives. No, but they fell short of His desire. And what we want to do is, again, allow God to be God. All right? Uh, he, he's a God of blessing. He's the healer. 
He's the provider. He is, I love the scripture from the Psalms that says, in His presence is fullness of, of joy. Praise God. And so it's not something we have to get to happen. It's something we have to acknowledge that already is. If I'm with Him, there's nothing lacking. Everything just works. In fact, things that didn't work in my life, they start to work when that, when that connection is made to His glory. Amen, amen. Praise God. Now, when it comes to us, of course, if, 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 if you and I are believers, if we've been born again, then there's not a whole lot that we need to do in order to adapt to the Lord. Now, maybe we do in our thinking, but I don't have to change, per se, to allow God to be God in my life. I've already been born again, so as the Scripture says, uh, that we are like Him. We've been made in His image, made in His likeness. Uh, John, the Apostle John, said, as He is, so are we in this life, in this world, right? In other words, as the Lord is in all of His glory. That's what He's already done in us. And so, in any degree that I want, might want to get out of the way or change or alter, it's basically from thinking that I'm not like Him. It's having a mindset that there's something in the way. That there's some sort of barrier that needs pulled down. Sometimes people think that way. It's like... There's a ceiling in my life. Well, it's imaginary. No, it's real because it's imaginary. (laughs) You know what I mean by that? In other words, if it exists in here, if it exists in my belief system, then it's going to be a practical experience. But if I will recognize and see that between the Lord and me, there is no hindrances, no blockage, no nothing in the way, that because of Jesus, I have access to Him always. And He's glorious, He's powerful, He's wonderful, He's all that I want, He's all that I desire, He's my everything. And I have been born again, born of that very substance, born of the essence of heaven, born of the glory of God. I'm a glorious child of a glorious Father, and so what am I going to do now? How about enjoy this relationship? How about enjoy what He has deposited in my life as a born-again child of God? Now, if you're not saved, then there's some serious change that needs to take place. But it can happen quick. But if you're already in, don't think like a sinner. Don't have the mindset that God is far away or there's still obstacles or still these things that hinder. No, no. If you've been born into the family of God, then you're good. Then you're good. Everything's good. Everything's right. Everything's clear. There's a clear shot now for God to do what He wants to do. Amen, amen. I don't know if this is getting quite through quite like it's supposed to. Maybe I'm just being... I'm, responding to your absence of response. But maybe that's on me. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, if there's a hindrance, it's in thinking that there's a hindrance. If there's a, if there's a ceiling, it's, it's in a belief that there's something that I still have to overcome. No, Jesus already overcame it. He is the victor. He is the winner. 
And now we are in Christ. Now we are in Him. Amen. And so we're in Him. That means we've got the victory. That means we're in the glory. That means we're surrounded by His power. Every day, all the time, it's always there. And all we seek to do is be aware. Amen, amen, amen. So, hallelujah, God is good. Amen, amen. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for what you're doing in our place. We thank you for what you've done in our, in our hearts and our lives already. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you. Come on, put your mind on him. We acknowledge you in all of our ways. Oh, we give you praise. Lord, your presence is here. Your glory surrounds us. Your life, your life and your glory surround us all the time. No hindrance, no delay. Everything is everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Thank you for your presence now. We acknowledge you in all we do. Glory to your name. We give you all the praise, all the honor. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. God is mighty in me. He's doing a work here tonight in my life. Say, Father God, I yield to you. Work in me your good pleasure. Use me according to your will. I'm available. Here I am. Use me. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I don't like to go too fast in these services, if you haven't noticed. So we just uh, just enjoy Him and His presence. And if nothing's said, I've been in times when there's not a whole lot said, but, there's a, but there is a whole lot done. And it goes beyond the, the efforts of myself or someone else and it's just uh, allowing the Spirit of God to do a work in people's hearts and lives. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. The Lord will give you free stuff when you wait on Him. I mean, everything the Lord gives, I guess, is free, huh? Because it's not like you work for it or earn it, you know? I know sometimes people think that way. Something good happens and they'll say, oh, you deserved it. No, you didn't. You deserve nothing. Everything that God does is because of His grace, because of His love. But He'll give you free stuff. He'll just bless you just because. Amen, amen. He'll bless you just without even asking for things. doesn't take away the principles in the, of, of asking, but in His presence, when you walk with God close, a lot of times your asking level goes way down. Why would I ask for what I already have? You know, you're just going along and enjoying life and enjoying the Lord, and He does things for you. Hey, that worked out really well. Hey, look at that. He just got a deal. Hey, money came in from nowhere, out of the out of the blue. Hey, I feel better than ever before. What are you doing? Nothing. I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess we can read this. Everybody okay? I'm okay if you're okay. Uh, Acts chapter 4. You know, this is an early church. Uh, they were preaching, of course, and religious leaders didn't like that they were preaching Jesus. 
People were getting saved and all this stuff. And then, so they were forbidden. The apostles, Peter and John, you know, of course, they had the healing in the third chapter. The guy at the gate, beautiful, the crippled guy who was raised up. And that really teed some people off. And, uh, and so they threatened them and they said, don't preach this anymore. And, you know, had them arrested, but they didn't hurt them at this point because so many people were around and they thought they wouldn't go over well. Look at verse 23, Acts 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. How many know it's a good idea to have your own companions? What does it mean, your own companions? Well, they went to their fellow believers. In other words, they weren't islands unto themselves. They weren't trying to live for God all by themselves and they're just living in the world and all their friends were serving the devil and living in the world. No, they had people that they could go to. How many know what that looks like in our day, in our society, in our culture? It's called the local church. All right. It's called, I mean, it's not just in the building. It's not just in a service, but it is, it is connecting with, with, uh, believers of like mindedness, of like faith. And, uh, and if ever somewhat something or someone comes against you and, uh, you know, gives you trouble, it's a good idea to have people who believe with you, believe for you, who will stand together with you. And so uh, they were let go, and they didn't say, where should we go now? Now what do we do? No, they immediately went to their own company, their own companions. They went to those who would stand with them. So when they had uh, heard that, they raised their voice. When they who? Their companions. They raised their voice to God. In other words, their friends were prayers. Are your friends prayers? what, what, What would your friends do? If, if you came and you had some hardships some some people came against you and you went to them and you told them what happened, what would they do? Huh? Well, well, why am I saying this? Uh, it's a good idea to have these kind of people in your life. Huh? That doesn't mean we uh, I separate ourselves and isolate ourselves. Maybe that would be a better word from those who need Jesus around us. But we all need these kind of people. We all need a place to come like this where, you know, maybe some today got, you know, beat up in, in life. But you come in here and you can get around some people who, what are we going to do? We're going to lift our voice to God. Amen. Because that's where our help comes from. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? Now think about this. this is, they're quoting Psalm. I think it's the second Psalm. I don't have that reference here. But David uh, prophesied and he saw in the spirit about uh, about Jesus about those who would preach the name of Jesus and he saw this in the spirit and he said why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and kings of the earth uh, took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ in other words the anointed one 
David was seeing that people would stand against them, that they would rage and come against them. And so they, they recognized this, that as they're praying, this is what David saw. That what you're doing here, that you're preaching the gospel and people don't like it and they rage, this is what God showed David a long time ago. And so they're talking to the Lord, and verse 27, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, now think about what's happening here. Let's, let's back up a little bit and, and slow down, and I want you to get this picture. Again, persecution, locked up, let go, threatened, go to their own company. When they tell the story, they immediately pray and they start declaring some good things. But then they make a request. They make requests of the Lord that they would be not delivered, not kept away from all these bad people. But what? They prayed that the Lord would grant to their servants boldness to speak His Word. In other words, they weren't thinking about compromising here. They weren't thinking about bending and saying, you know, Lord, maybe we should kind of back off a little bit, be a little more seeker-friendly when it comes to the leaders of the world, and, you know, maybe we can go Jesus light. You know, did I tell you about that? <laughs> another another state, another city pastor friend of mine he said there was a pastor in town who decided to change his services and he said we're doing 50 minutes now on Sunday 50 minutes he said he told him this we're shortening all our services to 50 minutes and and we're going Jesus light I thought wow he said that out loud (laughs) I mean you'd think you you know if you thought of it you thought that you'd might still want to repent but he was pretty proud of it (laughs) anyway That's not what they're praying. They're not praying, Lord, get us out of here. They're saying, give us boldness so we'll say it again. We'll not live in fear and trepidation of these threats and these people that are coming against us. Lord, make us bolder. Make us stronger so we can say it again and declare the name of Jesus. But look look what what they said here in verse 30. This is part of their prayer. Make us bold or give us boldness. To speak your word by, now this is what they, they're saying, by stretching out your hand to heal, signs and wonders will be done by the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now, now think about this. That makes sense in this regard. If I've got a message to preach, and before I preach, or while I preach, or in the context of my preaching, sick people are getting well. Dead people are being raised back to life. You know, problems are, I mean, there are signs and wonders. There are, you know, different manifestations of God's uh, power and stuff happening. Those can be outside of, you know, water to wine. That was a sign. Walking on the water, that's a sign. You know, the different things like that. that are. But signs and wonders would be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. How many know 
If you had an assignment to go talk to someone at work or to stand in front of a group and, and preach the gospel and you could lead with some of these things, maybe you could rise up and float in the air a few feet. How many feel more bold to share the message? <laughs> you understand what they're saying. You know, if you've got a crippled person there and, and hold on everybody, before I tell you this, let me, let, me, let me do something. And you raise that person up and then preach. I mean, you got everyone's attention. It's a good crowd breaker, right? So you understand what they're doing and why they're saying this. But it's interesting to me, if you read verse 31, it goes on to say, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And so they're not out preaching yet. They're just in their meeting, their own company. They're, they're, it's a gathering of believers. They're praying. They're lifting their voice. They're making requests together. Uh, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now stop right there. By the way, these Spirit-filled people, these, some, a lot of these people, or maybe all, we don't know who, who was all there, but they were, all, they were already filled in Acts chapter 2. So these people already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. They all had that language. Some of you, maybe you're new to a meeting, kind of meeting like this, and earlier I spoke in tongues and interpreted tongues and, and so forth. Uh, that's a normal part of Christianity, okay? If you've been a Christian, you've never heard of that. It's just because, you know, you just haven't heard of that, you know? No one told you, whatever, whatever the reason might be. But that's a normal part of what God does in the dispensation that we live in uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, really started on the day of Pentecost, in the Bible, it's Acts chapter 2. Uh, day of Pentecost, and it goes uh, up until the Lord comes back. Okay? It's a time when gifts of the Spirit, um, as they're called, are to be in operation in the church. Meaning in the body of Christ, some of those gifts are, are speaking in tongues and so forth. And all believers can, can exercise and operate in that gift. These people already had that. So when it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that they weren't filled before in the sense of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It just means that they were filled again. It's what the Apostle Paul told the church at Ephesus, which they were, of course, a Spirit-filled church. All churches were at that point. He told them in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. And the, the Greek language there implies a, a continual filling. So they were, a, they were Spirit-filled. They had quote, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but they were told to be filled again and again and again and again and again. And this is one of the ways these things happen. People call in the name of the Lord. They're praying to God. And in the midst of that, here comes another move of God. Here comes a, a manifestation of God's presence. So what happened? The place shook. This is cool, right? They were filled with the Spirit. Uh, they were all filled with the Spirit. And God worked signs and wonders among them. Is that what it said? No, it didn't say that. That's what they asked for, though. Didn't they? Lord, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And grant that sign, fill us with boldness that we may speak your word by, by stretching forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders will be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And they prayed, and God, obviously God's moving. The place is shaking. I mean, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, but it's not like they're going out and, and these signs are falling. They're, the place is shaken because they're being filled with the Spirit. Notice, they wanted boldness by signs and wonders. 
And God gave them boldness by a spirit-filled life. Say, what about the signs and wonders? Those happened. But you know how they happened? It, It happened because they spoke the word of God with boldness. The works of God and healings and miracles and the the work of God coming through a person's life does not come because we ask the Lord to do it. It does come as a result of believers boldly speaking and declaring the Word of God. That's why, did the Lord answer their prayer? Yes, but just in a different way than they were thinking. They were thinking, Lord, you stretch out your hand. He says, no, I'm going to fill you with my spirit and you're going to say it in such a way that it's going to, it's going to manifest it. Because how many know the Lord told us to stretch out our hands? And when we stretch out our hands, the Lord does stretch out his hand. He said, you go into all the world. And preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Not you preach the gospel and I'll lay hands on the sick. How many know if you don't lay hands on the sick, God doesn't lay hands on the sick. But if I do, God in me, Jesus in me, is the one uh, ministering and flowing through my life. So what, what do we need if we want to experience God's glory and power through us? To help people, what do we need? We need to be spirit-filled continually. We need to, and that will assist in, that will help in boldly declaring God's Word. Amen. In other words, God has always set these things up. He's always needed a mouthpiece. He's always needed someone to speak up. It's why He anoints preachers and teachers but it's also why he gave the great commission to every, every believer. It's why he gave his word to every child of God. So that his word would be in our heart and in our mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. Romans 9. 10. Romans 10. Right? How should the word of God be in our mouths? Well... Contrast, I guess it could be there weakly or with timidity or with hesitation or with with fear where we're just kind of trying it out and, you know, or it could be coming through us in such a way where it's bold. Now, some people will misinterpret bold. They'll call you arrogant, but you see by the result because God gives grace to the humble. Right? Someone's arrogant, the grace of God's not going to be there. He resists the proud. But if someone is saying something and they have a conviction inside, sometimes people won't understand it, but a bold proclamation of what God has said and what Jesus has done for us will produce results. It will. So I'm not seeing the result. When you get it, in, when, when you get it inside of you enough, it's automatic. It automatically produces results. And you know, when, when you're bold, John, when you've got it inside of you, when it's a fire in you, even when you're telling someone else, they'll, be, they'll gain conviction inside of their own heart because they see it in you. 
You know people can see, see, see in your eyes and in your expression when, you're, when something is real to you in your life. When we've just, when we've just memorized a, you know, a system or something like that, often it lacks that conviction. It lo- lacks that... Mm. I, I remember I was in a meeting a uh, long time ago. Uh, I was early on in ministry, but I wasn't ministering. We were having this, this tent meeting and... Um, and we had these meetings, and this, there was an evangelist from Australia, and, and he was in there and preaching, and, and miracles were happening, and people were getting saved, and it was really just a lot of fun. And, and I, was so, I was just jacked about it, you know. Is that a good word? <laughs> I, I was excited <laughs> about what was going on. And, uh, and without trying, I remember uh, going to a friend, a friend of mine, his mother. I forget why I was there. In fact, I know I was there. I had invited one of the family, and he came to the tent meeting, and, and I was over there talking to his mom during the day one day, and I just started talking to her about, uh, about coming and about what was going on. And I, I can still remember to this day, uh, uh, she, she said, Well, you're like beaming. <laughs> I wasn't trying. I was just jazzed about what was going on and she, and it was real in me and she could tell my invitation was far better than what it would have been normally you know what i'm talking about anyway I, I just say this when things the things of god are real to you and a lot of this is connected to just being full of the spirit you'll communicate these the same truths differently than you would if you're if your life is kind of blase your spiritual life if you're just kind of not really experiencing god just kind of have a belief system when things are alive in you when you have a living relationship with god you'll tell people things different you'll worship god different i'm telling you you'll worship god and it'll be seen on the outside i don't care how reserved you are i'm telling you there's something on the inside it'll rise up and it'll come out of you Hallelujah. And so again, God did do signs and wonders through them. But He did it through them boldly proclaiming and declaring God's Word. What's real in you? Amen. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Bold is not always loud. Bold doesn't mean shouting. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Bold doesn't... It, it, can, it, it doesn't necessarily look like someone would say, that person's really bold. Well, maybe, maybe not. Bold can be in your personality. Sometimes it's intimidating when someone is really convinced of something. It's intimidating to others. Uh, but it's a good thing. I told you Ephesians 6, didn't I? I should go there myself. I was in Acts 6. Ephesians 6. Galatians. Ephesians. Philippians. Paul was talking here in the 18th verse. 
talked about the armor of God, and then he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He said, and for me, what for me? Pray for me, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Again, that's interesting. He said, Paul's, Paul's saying, you guys as a church, uh, pray for me, but he's not saying, pray for my needs to be met, pray for me, I've got this sore knee, you know. That's not the kind of prayer he was, he was seeking from them. He, he knew how to get these things from the Lord. But he was saying, pray that, that, that God would give, that he would open my mouth, that he would give me utterance, that I may open my mouth. In other words, that God would give me the words, that he would, that he would be able to stand up and speak, and the words would come out of him. And if that happens, guess what he would do? He would make known the mystery of the gospel, but he would say it boldly. I seek and I desire in my life to be spirit-filled continually. A constant filling of the Spirit of God. Constant overflow of the Spirit. And I seek revelation. Lord, help me to see it plain and clear. And when I go to speak to someone or I speak in front of a group, fill my mouth. Give me utterance because when I have utterance, I'm bold as a lion. When I have utterance, I'm not backing down from anything. Amen. Filled with the Spirit and filled with a word. And nothing can stop us. And this is what happens. Then the power of God is on display. It's an automatic. It's on display in that atmosphere. Look at uh, uh, 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians 4. Uh, Paul writing this letter to the church at Corinth. He said a lot of things. Let me see if this is uh, in the second chapter. You know, he talked about how his speech and his preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. He said, I spoke in such a way not to just convince you with natural wisdom. I spoke in such a way where there was a demonstration of God that, that would follow, that would accompany my words. Demonstration of the Spirit and power. That's how Paul ministered. He went on to say this. I'm not getting to the verse we're going to yet, but he said in verse 5 of chapter 2 that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I like that. I mean, I think a lot of us have been trained, unfortunately, uh, in church circles to uh, have our faith in the wisdom of men. Why? Because there was never any demonstration of God's power. We never saw God's power on display. We never were around people regularly declaring uh, healings and answers to prayer and victories and overcoming things by the power and glory of God. I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home and, uh, you know, as a child we went to a, a church that I, you know, I can tell you because I'm not going to give you the name, but I don't think they believe anything. <laughs> now, it's not technically true. I'm sure they have a statement of faith, but they didn't, as far as I was concerned, they didn't believe anything. Because, I mean, they weren't saved. I don't think, I'm sure a lot of people were, but I think a lot of them weren't. I mean, all I remember from church is, um, you know, one, there was a center aisle all the way through, and sometimes I'd be 
you know, sitting there on the pew. And there was a big clock on the back. And I was constantly doing this. <laughs> seeing this clock. You know, getting closer and closer to 12. I couldn't wait till it got over. Because, you know, we had this section in the service because it was all lined out in the bulletin. Exactly what's happening. And then the, the song you're going to sing and which hymn number and so forth. And I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not putting all that down. I'm just telling you my experience. You know, I'm not saying one way is the only way to have a church service. I'm just saying I was bored out of my brain. And uh, anyway, one part of the service was pastoral prayer. The pastoral prayer. Did you have those too? It was very lengthy. It was a long prayer that the pastor had, that he had written and then would read and pray. And I, I'm not taking away from his sincerity or anything like that. I'm not judging the man's heart. But for me as a kid, <laughs> the pastoral prayer took forever before I could get to that next thing on the bulletin. Okay, now we're here. Is <laughs> that pastoral prayer. <gasps> I'm probably not uh, enticing any mercy on these type of services when I stand up here for a half hour and say, glory to God, praise you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Uh, anyway, what was I saying about that? Um, oh, yeah. And uh, anyway, I remember that part of the church. And, uh, and then I remember after church, they'd wheel out outside uh, uh, the coffee cart Everyone stand, would stand around and drink coffee and smoke. <laughs> that's what you did. That's what everyone did after church. But at least they did it outside, because you hate it when it gets in the carpet and stuff. Anyway, that's that was my experience. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of life and power. Never saw a, a transformed life. Most people were socialized Christians. What do you mean? I'm a Christian because I'm a member of this church. I'm a Christian because I you know, ascribe to certain Christian things. I have Christian friends. But there was, no, uh, there was no evidence of God being in a person's life. You know, why? Because they eventually got to the place where the pastoral prayer was not boring. I don't know. Well, I mean, what defined a person as a Christian? How, how did you really know? And so oftentimes we grew up with, uh, with that kind of stuff. And so for us to expect that when I'm in relationship and connection with God, there will be an outflow of His power. I will hear from Him. I'll get a word. I'll speak it. And I'll say it bold and I'll say it clear. And God will ride on those words to perform His word. Amen. Like He said to Jeremiah, watch over my word to perform it. And so He's looking for someone who will, who will know what they're talking about. Looking for someone who will get something from him. Even if you don't know the, the, the book from cover to cover and you have great uh, you know, understanding of all things Bible. Uh, that's, not, that, that's really not the key. What if one thing became alive to you? What if one word came alive to you? What if some revelation of God uh, came to your heart? Then that is what you can say boldly. That is what you can say and, and it will be powerful through you. Amen, amen. Well, um, what was I going to read? 1 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul writing to this church, church at Corinth, and 
different individuals there were rising up in pride and speaking against him and saying things about him because he wasn't there all the time. He was a traveling uh, person in ministry. Um, Verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. That's pretty interesting language. He didn't say imitate God. Someone said, I follow Jesus, but I won't follow any man. (laughs) Well, that would be totally ignorant. That would be completely unscriptural. To say, I'm going to only follow the Lord. Hmm. Paul told them what? Imitate me. Wow. That's an intimidating statement to make. Imitate me. He said, for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. In other words, Timothy was, like he said, beloved and faithful. He was faithful to Paul. In his faithfulness to Paul, he was being faithful to the Lord. But he said, Timothy is going to come, and he's going to tell you how, how, what I would say. He's going to tell you what I would do. He was the kind of person that can be totally relied on. He says, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. And I think about what Paul's saying. I don't care what they say. What I care is the power of God that is either there or not there through their life. They're saying big things. They got proud and arrogant words. They're putting themselves up into a position where a position of authority that you ought to listen to them. He said, we'll see. But I'm not coming here to analyze everything they say. I just want to see if they've got any power in their life. It's almost like this, uh, you know, Elijah and the prophets of Baal of the Old Testament. You cry to your God and see what he'll do. You pray and I'll pray and we'll see what happens. Amen. A, a, a friend of mine, uh, years ago, he, he, was, uh, he was working on the job. And he was a, uh, a painter. He's a pastor now. He was a painter and a pastor. You know, the Bible does say, repaint and thin no more, right? Not really. Uh, <laughs> but he was a painter during the day, pastor at night. And uh, anyway, he had this in one individual. He would, you know, live before the guys on this, this painting crew and stuff. And he was a Christian. They all knew it. And certain things they did, he didn't do. And, you know, he had a good testimony among them. But there was one guy. He was uh, a part of a different religion. He was a Jehovah's Witness. And... Uh, this Jehovah's Witness, and he would talk from time to time and, and, uh, and talk about the Scriptures and talk about what's right and what's wrong and, and, of course, a lot of disagreement there. And, you know, maybe some of you have been in those conversations that go around and round and round and round and, and you think, how in the world can you not see this? This is as clear as, it, as clear can be, and yet you just won't accept it. <laughs> you know, and he's had to have these conversations. Anyway, he said one day... He basically, I don't remember if he said this or this was the thought uh, of the attitude, for sure it was that, but he said basically it was one of these put up or shut up type of moments. And he told them, all right, they're in this, they're in this they did commercial buildings and stuff, and there was one part, there was no one else around. He said, why don't we do this? He said, you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. 
We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what your God does. We'll see what my God does. And the guy agreed to it. And uh, and I don't remember if the guy even got to his prayer. If he did first and there was nothing. Or anyway, this friend of mine, he, he told him, you know, when I pray, I put my hands on people. That's what the Bible says. You believe the Bible, right? You know, and, and uh, put his, he put his hand on him. And the power of God hit this guy. And, and he's, he's, you know, stumbling all around. And, <laughs> and he's up against the wall. And, and, I, and I thought, yeah. And, you know, there were no more conversations after that. As far as arguments, he never came against him again. He never had a spoke. Why? He came in contact with the power of God. But how many know someone has to deliver that? God needs his delivery boys. In other words, someone who has it and they know they have it. Someone who has a relationship with God, lives a spirit-filled life and they know they live it. Otherwise, why would you do something like that? Because you can't just try it out. I mean, you can, but you know what I'm talking about? There's got to be some boldness in you. There's got to be an awareness that uh, in your own life that if you will do something, say something, or pray, or lay hands on someone, that God is going to be right there with you. That you are not on your own. You are not just trying to pull this off on your own. No, that God will back you up. Amen. I used to like to do do some of this... Um, well, I had one situation where a guy was, uh, it didn't, it wasn't exactly like that, but a guy that I knew, a teenager, he was being swept into Mormonism. And I went over to see him and the, the, the missionaries, the Mormon missionaries were, come, came over to his house while I was there. And he had been surrounding himself with friends and stuff who were in that religion. And, uh, and so he was, falling for it he was he was believing these things and so we sat there in the living room one day me and him and these other two guys and we talked and and some things weren't you know weren't going so well they weren't getting anywhere and i told him i said uh, i said to him you know what i'm i'm gonna because he knew what i meant because he was a believer but he was going astray i said i'm gonna come over here and sit by you i said because something's happening and uh, he totally knew what I meant. But, and so I went over and sat by him. Why, the only reason I did that is because the presence of God was on me. And I thought, I'm going to go sit by him so he'll recognize this. And during that meeting, uh, nothing more really took place as far as we didn't have a good conclusion. But it did happen. Because he told me later when he came back, <laughs> when he came back to the Lord, he said, you know when you did that? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I felt it too. <laughs> In other words, he just wasn't, he was resisting it. He was fighting it. But God's presence on my life was influencing him and God on his life. And, uh, and I used to go to these deten- this detention center for, uh, for youth, uh, teenagers, juvenile detention center. And uh, in there, uh, you know, most... Most of them were didn't know much about the Lord. Occasionally, you'd have a backslidden Christian in there, but uh, uh, but people weren't saved. And so I just looked at it as an opportunity to be, to be bold. 
I'll just be bold as a lion. Why? What have I got to lose? You know, I know the truth. I know God loves these kids. I know they're royally messing up their lives. And so I'm going to go out, get out here and be bold and do this. And so I'd get in there, you know, not a big group, but there might be, uh, you know, 10 or 15, you know, and I'd sit them, in a, sit them in a circle, and this is on Sunday afternoons, and I'd go in there and, and preach to them. But I, and instead of doing what I knew everyone else would, do, would come, and they'd probably give a nice message and everything, I would bring power, intentionally. Because I knew that most Christians are not, they're just not living there. And, and I was going to. Um, Anyway, so I would just tell them, I would just, I would invite people, I said some of you got problems, physical injuries or problems with different things in your body, and and, and God will touch your body today, and you'll be healed. You'll be healed in this service. And uh, and I saw it regularly, regularly. Uh, One guy, I remember this story because I've told it a lot, and so it always sticks in my memory, but he, he had back problems, and he was sitting right right next to me and he had lower back problems and he could hardly bend and and uh, and so I just said well let me just put my hand on you here and I put my hand on his on his lower back let me just put my hand on you and, and God's uh, God's healing your your back and making you well right now and so I told him that I, I took my hand off him I said bend over and he went oh you know and he yelled out and I thought oh I said don't worry about that watch this and I put my hand on him some more and I'm just talking, talking to everybody and say, hey, power God's going, going in you right now, making you well. I said, bend over. And he went a little bit further and went, ah! Oh! <laughs> but I did that. I, so, so I said, I put my hand on him again. And uh, you remember the time when Jesus put his hands on that, that guy twice? The guy, the guy with the, the, the blind guy? And I put my hand on him again. I, and uh, I said, yeah, power God going right in there. You're well, you know. And, and uh, I said, bend over. And he bent all the way over. And everyone else in the room was looking at him. They're saying, really? You know, because he was healed and he had no pain. And it happened right in front of everyone. And you know, regularly in those situations, uh, 90% of the group would get born again. I mean, just all the time. And I wasn't able to, you know, it's in a jail. So it's hard to know what everyone did afterwards. But I know I gave him something real, and I gave him something to see. I gave him something they'll remember, enough where it was they, it moved their heart. Because I didn't, pre- you know, it wasn't a peer pressure thing. I would have, I would have, I would have them all. I, we'd pray, and I'd say, you know, if you want to receive the Lord, uh, when I get done here, I just want you to look up at me. That's all I'd have them do. Because they'll have them all. I had them all bow their heads and close their eyes, and you just have to look up at me. If you don't look up, then fine. We're going to pray in just a minute. If you want to get involved in this, then you just look up at me, and they'd all, and they'd look up. I'd say, all right, let's pray. And regularly we'd see the vast majority of them give their lives to the Lord. But you know, it was in the context of power. It was in the context of seeing that God was real. And Paul told these guys, yeah, they got a lot of words. These puffed up guys, these arrogant people have a lot to say. But what kind of power do they have? What kind of power do they have? And they went on to say, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? In power. 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 They knew that in the early church. They, they were right in their, in their objective of what they needed to see happen. They're saying, Lord, we're being threatened. Lord, they're not accepting the message. Lord, this is not going the way. We need power. 
Amen. Now, how, how many understand, that's really not our position to pray for power, but that desire is right. Our position is to acknowledge that the power is present. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That same resurrection life lives in every believer. And as I live my life filled with the Spirit, as I say, Lord, reveal unto me and give me utterance, then I'll be able to manifest that power. I'll be able to demonstrate God in this day and hour. And people will have something not only to just hear words and hear an argument, but they'll have something to see. And, you know, someone said, well, that's not faith. Well, yeah, it is. I, I know faith is not sight. Faith is not based on seeing, but faith does produce seeing. Faith does produce something visible and something tangible. And if it doesn't, it's not really faith. If there is no tangible result, if there is no physical manifestation of the life of God, the life of God isn't present. I mean, that's how I would have to look at it. Someone said, I'm a Christian. Okay, how do I know that? I mean, I'm not going to call someone a liar. I mean, you, you did whatever you say. Okay, you're a Christian. But if you show it to me, then I'm convinced. What do you mean you show it to me? There's a demonstration of, of the life of God coming through you. Transformational in you. Transformational in things around you. There's an evidence of God's life. Now, we'll accept one another. At, at word, because we love each other, we're family, you know, someone says, I believe in Jesus, I believe you, you know, I tell you what the world does, it's not good enough for them, because they're just looking for one of us to trip up and fall anyway, to call us a hypocrite, looking for one of us to make a mistake, I want the life of God and the power of God in me so much that it resonates out, at the glory of God, we come together, because we're His church where his family and we experience him and we see his glory and we experience good things in here but to the end that we carry it out of here that we're carriers of his glory you know like uh, brother frank talked about the glory of god on sunday comes from the inside out not just looking for an outside in experience god come down god sin no let me live it out of here manifest the glory from the inside Amen. Praise God. Father, we're so thankful tonight for your glory, your presence, your power, strength for today, strength for this hour. Thank you that we're never alone. You've never left us behind. But you're always with us. You're always with us, and you're always on time. Faithful to do what you said you would do. Faithful is he who calls, who also will do it. So I thank you that you're faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now call on the name of the Lord out of your own heart. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. He's your God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I ask, and I ask with me in your own heart, grant unto your servants... Grant unto your children, your servants, your people, that with all boldness we may speak your word. Oh, that with all boldness we may speak your word. 
Lord, may there be a fresh infilling, a fresh overflowing of your, of your presence, of your spirit, the Holy Spirit of power, of glory and might in each of our hearts, in each of our lives tonight. And may we be given utterance, utterance in the Holy Spirit, boldness to declare your word and make the mystery of the gospel known. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you praise. If you pray in the Spirit, do so now. If you don't, you can join in. You can join in with the rest. Just by faith. You just receive. Oh, We praise you, Lord. We glorify you. Filled, filled, filled once again. Filled to overflowing. Filled to overflowing. Oh, praise God. Oh, Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord and Master. Praise you, Lord and Master. Praise you, Lord and Master. Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you do in all of us. Thank you, Lord, for what you do in all of us. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Pra- praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Now, if you've got hands that are full, full of the power, let's, uh, it, those who need, uh, a ch- need a healing in your body, need a change in your body, I want to uh, lift your hands in the air. If you, if you need, it, wherever you're at, right over here, now those around, I want, I want those near, those near, anyone who has their hands up. In fact, if you need to get up and go over or anything, go ahead and release the power of God into them now. You will, live, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There is an outflow of God's glory and power through your hands and through your life. This is not just words. This is the power of God that makes men and women free and delivers them from captivity. And so bondages are broken. Chains are loosed. And they are removed from these lives in Jesus' mighty name. We command all sickness and disease and pain to go. And life and health to overflow in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. Oh, for your grace that is sufficient, for your power that is available, for your presence that flows mightily, mightily, mightily through those who believe. And Lord, we receive it. Ha, 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 ha. Praise God. We receive it. We receive it and it's done. We receive it and it's done. The victory is won. Praise God. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. When you get joy on the inside, you know it's done. When you get joy on the inside, you know the battle's won. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise and thanks for every good thing done. Every good thing done. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I don't know what everyone was dealing with. How many can tell, can, uh, can tell a change in your body already? Lift up your hands. Change back there. How many else? Then there and then there. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? You already, already can tell a physical change in your body. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, battle's won. Amen. Amen. God is good. Well, I went kind of long tonight. Didn't intend to do that. Everybody okay? No one ran out yet? Well, one person just ran out. 